All of you guys in here, good to have you. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Difficult People. Difficult People. How many of you guys have had to deal with difficult people before? Yes. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be laying out some practical biblical skills on dealing with difficult people. So we're going to be talking about needy people. We're going to be talking about manipulative people. We're going to talk about religious people. But today, we're going to start this thing off right, and we're going to talk about critical people. Critical people. That's what we're going to talk about today. Has anybody in here ever been criticized before? Anybody ever been criticized? How many of you guys are sitting next to your biggest critic right now? Don't raise your hand. Just kind of look at them. Look at them sideways and just say, you know, you know. The fact is, criticism is a part of life. Not everybody's going to like what you do. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. It reminds me of a quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said this, You can please some of the people some of the time, all of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but you can never please all of the people all of the time. How many of you say that is an accurate quote in the days that we're living right now? So here's the thing. If criticism is a part of life and we know it is, the question is, how do you handle it? How do you handle criticism when it comes to you? How do you handle those nitpicking people that just pick apart everything you do, everything you say? How many of you right now are dealing with a critical person in your life? Raise your hands all over the house. Let me see it. You're dealing with someone critical. And for those of you right now that are sitting back saying, man, I hate when he does that. I hate when he makes people raise their hand. Listen, this sermon is really about you today. It's about you Just saying. But here's the truth of the matter, guys. The truth is that all of us deal with critical people. And these issues can be very hurtful, especially if you're on the receiving end of it. When someone says something that's critical about you, it hurts when you have to walk through these times. But here's what you need to understand. This stuff has been going on literally since the beginning of time. So what I want to do is give you kind of three examples real quick today. These are not in your notes. There's three people who had to deal with criticism. And so let's start it off. If you're married to someone that your family does not approve of, then Moses and you have something in common. Because in Numbers chapter 12, Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, were criticizing Moses because he married a Cushite woman. So again, if there's somebody in your family and they don't approve of who you married or who you're dating, then you could just look at them and say, well, me and Moses got that in common. But then if you fast forward to the New Testament, a lot of people criticize the Apostle Paul for not being a very good speaker. And if you read in the Apostle Paul's writings, obviously he was a little bit defensive about this. He was even a little sensitive about it because he was always saying in his writings, I may not be an eloquent speaker, but I preach the gospel. So again, the Apostle Paul was criticized. Moses was criticized. Let's fast forward even further to Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who was perfect in every way, the one who knew no sin, he was criticized all of the time. 
The Pharisees criticized him. The Roman soldiers criticized him. They picked him apart all the time. He was criticized for eating with sinners. He was criticized for healing people on the Sabbath. And on and on and on and on, he was constantly being criticized. So the reality is, and we have to acknowledge this, we're going to be criticized in life. Everybody say this and repeat this after me. I will be criticized. Come on, say it like you really mean that. I will be criticized. And listen, I don't know who that's going to be for you. It could be a friend. It could be someone that you go to school with. Someone looks at you and says, oh, you're just that Christian person. You're holier than thou. How come you don't go to the party with us? You're saving yourself for marriage. Really? It could be that kind of criticism. It could be a family member. Someone that's just always criticizing you. I can't believe the way you're spending your money. I can't believe the way you're not spending your money. It's just on and on and on. I can't believe the way you raise your kids. I can't believe the way you dress your kids. On and on and on. I can't believe the path you've chosen in your life. And, and one of the things that I've noticed when it comes to moms that, that, that have a career, man, you can't win for anything. Because I thought about this, if you're a stay-at-home mom, then all the working moms are like, well, I can't believe you won't get a career. I can't believe you don't have any goals. You're not doing anything with your life. And yet, if you're a working mom, all the stay-at-home moms are like, well, man, you don't love your kids. You're not staying with them. And so you just can't win. And unfortunately, there are times where there's criticism in a marriage. You know, your spouse just nitpicks everything that you're doing and picks you apart. I don't like the way you chew your food. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you act when company's over. I don't like the way you load the dishwasher. I don't like the fact that on Sunday afternoon, <laughs> you just sit around in your recliner flipping your flipper all day long. I just don't like what you do. You oh man, been eating well, haven't you? Putting on a few pounds. Them jeans don't fit like they used to. Anybody ever been criticized in the house? Or perhaps people criticize you because of your past. Well, you know, back in the day, you know how you used to roll. You know how you used to be. It happened 20 years ago, and people are still criticizing you for your past. And sometimes Christians can be the most critical of other Christians. Are you kidding me? You wore that to church today? Are you kidding me? I can't believe you would read that version of the Bible and just, just on and on. Oh, you telling me you're that age and you're not married yet? Oh, well, if you had faith like I would, you'd be married like I would. And there's something inside of you that just wants to say, you know what? I don't want the kind of faith you got because I don't want to be married to a bump on a pickle like you are. But you don't say that because you got that holier, you know, attitude. But anyway, here's the question though, really guys. How do you deal with critical people? How do you deal with it? And I want to give you two approaches that we can look at in life when it comes to dealing with critical pe- people. Number one, there's the fleshly approach, and that's kind of based on feelings, and so you just you, you react out of your feelings. And can I tell you something? The enemy of your soul loves it when you do that. But then there's also the godly way, and that's based in truth, and this is the way that really is spirit-empowering in your life. Matter of fact, here's how Paul describes both of these options in Ephesians chapter 4, 22 and 24, he says, You were taught to leave your old self to stop living the evil way you lived before. 
That old self becomes worse because people are fooled by the evil things they want to do. But you were taught to be made new in your hearts to become a what? A new person. That new person is made to be like God, made to be truly good and holy. So in other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you've got to stop choosing the old way. Stop choosing the fleshly way, because when you do, that just makes things a whole lot worse than what they are. And start approaching things from God's perspective. Do it from the new life. Be like Christ. And when you do that, it brings life to your relationships. And so I want to take a moment real quick and show you kind of both of these options. And I want to challenge you to handle criticisms God's way. Uh, So what does the old self look like? You know, that old you... What does that look like when it comes to those fleshly feelings? Well, I think there's two ways. There's flight, and then there's fight. Come on, I don't even know what I'm talking about. There's flight, and then there's fight. Flight is the avoidance approach. And the sad reality, guys, is that some of you in here today, your whole life has been marked by this phrase, I can't please anybody. I can't do anything right. And so now you're living that unpleasable parent, the unpleasable spouse, the unpleasable child. The, even your church experience is based in guilt and shame. And before you know it, you just start shutting down. You hold everybody at arm's length. So you won't let anybody come in close to you. You won't allow anybody to come into your life because when you do, that criticism that happened possibly even years before has got you to the point now to where you're just, you're putting up walls. And so at the first sign of criticism, regardless of who it is, you flight, you take off and run. But then there's the other option, which is fight. You know, someone starts criticizing you, and all of a sudden your blood pressure starts rising, your heart starts beating fast, you start rolling up on your sleeves like Johnston County, and you get your fight on. Why? Because everything in you is screaming counterattack. And these are the two ways that our old self likes to handle criticism. But again, I want to challenge you today to handle criticism God's way for your new self. And so I want to give you three ways how we can deal with criticism today. So if you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, how do I deal with criticism? Number one, you always listen to criticism. Always listen to criticism. And I know that's a problem right off the bat. Because we don't want to do that. It's, it, it's not something that comes naturally. When someone starts criticizing you, saying things about you, you generally don't want to lean in and hear everything they've got to say. Why? Because we're always right. So there is that way of saying, you know what? I don't want to hear what you got to say. And again, the natural reaction when someone starts criticizing you is talk to the hand. If you're a teenager, caps, you just all, you line. And then you've got, you know, you think you're better than I am and I'm better than you are. And so there's all of this stuff. And so all these defenses go up and you don't want to listen to what people say. But hear me today. The Bible says that wise people do something. They lower their defenses. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31 and 32. If you listen to constructive criticism, let me say that again. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you will grow in understanding. Listen, 
One of the most valuable things that you can do in life as a leader, as a parent, as a Christian, as a student, as an employee, is to listen to constructive criticism. Every Sunday after service, I go to my wife Misty and I say, hey, tell me what you thought. Every week I'm getting constructive criticism from her. She may say, hey, you were spot on. It was great. She may look at me and say, hey, those transitions were a little rough, man. Need to spend a little more time in prayer. She may even tell me, don't ever preach that again as long as you live. The point is, every week I am getting constructive criticism on what I'm doing. And I think it is so valuable and important to do that, whether it comes from your spouse, your co-worker. It could be a kid that looks at you and says, Mom, you're always yelling at me all the time. And so instead of going in defense mode and yelling at them, maybe you need to step back and say, you know what? They're right. I am always yelling at them. So again, you need to be willing to listen. Because hear me today. If growth and understanding is your goal, then you'll take time to listen wherever the source comes from. Now, let me just kind of be direct about this. Without constructive criticism in your life, you will never reach your maximum potential. You'll never reach your maximum potential without constructive criticism in your life. A lot of times we want to create these opportunities and we do everything to make them effective, but you can only be effective when slow to speak. Don't become angry easily because anger will not help you live the right kind of life God wants. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not suggesting to you that all criticism that comes into your life is valid. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you need to receive all kinds of criticism. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. When do I receive it? When do I get rid of it? But what I am saying is that you can't process criticisms God's way until you develop a willingness to listen to that person. And not just listen to their words, but listen to their heart. Philippians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Paul is praying for us. He said, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to what? Discern what is best and pure and blameless into the day of Christ. So, again, while you're listening to someone that has criticism, you're praying for that person. Lord, help me to hear this person. Help me to listen to their heart, not just their words. Help me to understand what they're trying to say. And then you got to pray, Lord, give me discernment here. Let me discern the spirit and intent behind their words. And, and, and Lord, if it need be, let this criticism help me to grow in life. Because here's the thing I want you to understand. Sometimes criticism has more to do with the person than it does to do with you. It's more to do with that person. So you've got to listen with your ears and listen with your spirit and say, God, give me discernment here. Help me to know what's going on. And, and here's the thing. The ability to listen grows with maturity. And some of you ladies in the house are like, no, it don't. I've been married for 30 years. That joker still don't listen to me. So I get that. But for the average person, listening grows with maturity. Have you ever tried to tell a teenager to do something? Do they listen? Hey, there's wet paint right there. Don't touch it. Oh, it ain't wet. It's, uh, oh, it is wet. So, you see, the ability to listen grows with maturity. He hear me. The ability to discern grows with maturity as well. 
The older you get, you're able to discern things. And so when you decide to say, God, I'm living this life for you. I'm going after you. I'm handling the criticism God's way. Then you have to process the criticism. You have to determine to listen. Listen to those words. Listen to that person's heart. Pray for discernment to handle it God's way. Now, there's two primary options available when you listen to criticism. Number one, you can receive it. Or number two, you can release it. So how do I know which way to do what? Well, that brings up point number two. Sometimes you discern and respond to criticism. Sometimes you discern and respond to criticism. Notice I didn't say you react to criticism. Because that's what most people do. We react to criticism. As soon as it comes, we put our defenses up and we react to it. But I'm not saying that because here's what happens a lot of time, especially in social media. I want you to lean in right now. Somebody criticizes you and next thing you know, you have blowed that person up all on social media. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down. Don't try to solve your private problems on a public forum. If it didn't cost that much, I would have dropped it right then. Don't try to solve your private problems on a public forum. Okay, don't do that. That's bad for you to do. So how do we do it? If you want to prayerfully respond to someone and not react to them, there are times when God will lead you to respond. You know, and, and again, there, there's some criticisms that come, and we'll talk about this in a moment, where quite frankly, you just got to shake it off and walk on. There's some criticism that you look at it and you say, you know what, no kind of response is going to help this person, so you just got to walk on with that. But sometimes uh, understanding answer can diffuse unjust criticism. I thought about Gideon in Judges chapter 8, verses 1, 2, 3, where he was dealing with the Emaphrites. And it says this in verse 1, it says, Why have you treated us like this? They were mad with Gideon. They didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. They didn't understand what was going on. And so they were upset with him. And it says they challenged him vigorously. They criticized him sharply. They were all in his business, but they didn't have all of the information. I remember the old timers used to have a statement that said, You're all in the Kool-Aid and don't know the flavor. There are times in life where people will get all in your business and they don't understand the full scope of what's really going on. And so what did Gideon do? Verse 2, what did it say to did? He said he answered them. And if you go on to read that, it tells you basically Gideon saying, guys, back off a little bit. Look at what we've been able to accomplish. You're eating better food. You're making spiritual progress. We've gave uh, our enemies the Midianites. God has given them into our hands. And so he answered their unjust criticism. And as a result, verse 3, it says their resentment against him subsided. And they were no longer angry with him. So again, a spirit-directed Answer can diffuse unjust criticism. And so you got to be pray, praying about that. And ask God to leave you, lead you in that because God will lead you to do that at different times. People may ask you, people ask me all the time, uh, why are you still driving a 2005 Chevrolet pickup truck? 
Why don't you get something new? Well, I am going to get something new, but here's the reason why I'm driving it now. I've got a son that's going to start driving in the next couple of months, and I'm going to hand him a truck that is paid for, a truck that is not a shiny penny, so if he gets a scratch on it, it's not going to be a big deal. So that's why I've drove that thing all of these years, so he has got something that I don't have to worry about making a payment on. So again, sometimes you can give an explanation as to why you're doing what you're doing. I've had people to jump all over me and criticize me over one decision I made and they didn't have a clue about the big picture. So again, there are times in your life when someone is criticizing you, if you know that a subtle answer or an explanation can diffuse that, then give it to them. Hear them out. Validate their concerns. Clarify their issues. And again... When you listen to them, when you care for them, when you inform them, it oftentimes helps you. And again, you you draw closer as a result of it. You go closer at the end of the day. So what do you do? When you sense a person needs perspective on something, give it to them. Give it to them. Don't just jump all over them and put up a defense and say, you know what, you just you don't know what you're talking about. This and that. No, give them some perspective. There are other times when none of this is going to help at all, so your only option is to number three, sometimes you discern and release the criticism. And in this case, you pray for the person and you begin to realize, I don't care what I say, I don't care what I do, this person's still going to be mad. Then you just walk away from them. And I, you know, I thought about this because Jesus told his disciples, he says, guys, I'm sending you into all of these towns, all of these communities. I need you to preach the gospel. He said, but there's going to be some folks that you're going to go to and they're not going to receive you. They're not going to listen to anything you've got to say. They're going to criticize you. He said, and so at that point in time, what did he say? Shake the dust off your feet and walk on and go somewhere else. Sometimes in life, you have to shake the dust off your feet with somebody criticizing you. And as bad as it may hurt on the inside, keep walking. I told you last week, life is like driving a bus. You are a bus driver. There's going to be times where some people are going to get on the bus. And there's going to be times when some people get off the bus. But you keep driving the bus. Don't stop. Some of you stopped at your last breakup. Some guy dumped you three years ago and you still sitting at home with rollers all in your hair and you hadn't took a shower, you hadn't put no makeup on and you just still sitting there and that guy's gone on, got married and had two kids and you still crying over him. Honey, go get you a mani-pedi, get your hair done and keep driving the bus because there are going to be some more people to get on the bus. Amen? So there are times when you've got to let go of unjust criticism. When do I release it? Well, let me give you two scenarios on when to release the criticism. Number one, when criticism is undeserved. And I want you to hear me today. Anytime you stand for something, you're going to be criticized. It's going to happen. Sometimes, again, criticism has nothing to do with you But it has everything to do with what's going on inside of that person. Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew 15, 12 through 14. The disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? What did Jesus say? He replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. You know what that means? Jesus said, Hey, release it. Release it. Get rid of it. They're blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they'll both fall into the ditch. So again, when you find yourself being criticized by someone, 
who doesn't have a clue or who doesn't even want to have a clue, then Jesus says, hey, don't let that person's words define your whole life. Move on and keep doing what God's called you to do. Care about the critic. Pray for the critic. But don't allow their words to stop you in your tracks. And some of you in here today, I feel this in my heart, your life stopped years ago because someone said something about you. It wasn't true, but it offended you and hurt you so deeply that you have now, every time you live your life, you're living at time trying to rectify what that person said about you. Move on. When you, when you leave here today, stop by Walmart, buy you some Frozen, put you on some Elsa, and turn up that song, Let It Go. Let it go. And just keep moving forward with your life. Don't allow what someone says to define your life. Well, you are nobody, you're going nowhere. That's the criticism that come upon you, and now you're trying to live your life trying to outdo what they said about you. That's unjust criticism. Let it go and move on. Release it. Here's the second time in your life when you need to release criticism. When there is a bitter root of judgment. A bitter root of judgment. And you understand that anyone can develop a critical spirit. Um, I don't like my job. You know, I don't like what's going on. I don't like my boss. The gas prices are too high. They're going up again. All the good men and good women are taken. There's nothing on TV. The country's falling apart. Man, we all going to Hades in a handbasket. I mean, it's just all the time we're bombarded with bad news. And anyone can fall into that trap of criticism every once in a while. And when they do, you love them and you try to encourage them where you can. But this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who has been hurt so badly that there is a stronghold of bitterness that has formed around their heart, formed around their life, and it defines the way they live. That's why the Bible warns in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, see to it that no one... See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Hear me. The more effective you become at whatever God's called you to do, the more criticism you're going to endure. It's just a fact of life. If you've got a good marriage, then guess what? You just got set up because all of the people with bad marriages are coming against you. Well, I can't believe it. I know they got something wrong. They must be doing something wrong. Ain't no way they that happy. Ain't no way they still holding hands and they've been married for 30 years. So again, they're always going to come against you. If you're successful on your job, all the unsuccessful people, what are they going to do? They're going to attack you. Oh, well, they just must be, you know, brown-nosing with the boss, man. That's just the reason why they're getting a raise. No, the reason why you got the raise is because you actually showed up to work on time and you're not taking a smoke break every 15 minutes and a two-hour lunch break. Okay, that's why you got the raise and the other person didn't. But you understand that the people that have an unsuccessful career are going to attack you because you have a successful career. Because a lot of times your success points out their insecurities. And that's how it works. So hear me. If you don't learn to release the criticism, you will become distractive and ineffective in your life. And you will become toxic in your soul. To where now everybody that comes around you, you think they've got an ulterior motive. 
And so now you, you, you're holding grudges. You're holding on to things you should have let go of a long time ago. Why? Because you haven't been willing to release that. Some of you right now, you're haunted by someone's words. But you've got to let it go. And you've got to move on. I gave you a formula last week. Let me give it to you again this week because I think it fits right here. These are not in your notes, but there's three things you've got to do when you find yourself trying to hold on to a grudge, when you find yourself with some unforgiveness in your heart because of what someone has said or done. There's three words that you've got to have. Number one, you've got to remember, repent, and recommit. The three R's. You've got to remember, repent, and recommit. You've got to remember the call of God on your life. Remember the day you went in all in for Jesus and you got baptized. Remember the day you accepted Christ into your heart and into your life and you were fully on with Him. Remember the call of God on your life. Remember the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. Remember those times and then you have to repent. There are times in your life where you got to say, God, hey, I'm sorry. I've been holding a grudge against that person. That person has, has, has got me stuck in my life. So, God, I'm sorry for that. Forgive me for that. But then you've got to recommit. You got to say, God, I want to go all in for you. I want to get that, that fervor back. I want to get the passion back. I want to do what you've called me to do. So, again, you've got to do the three R's, or else you will allow toxic to rest in your soul. And can I tell you something? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what people say about you because you're living for an audience of one. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Watch this. Underline this. Our purpose is to what? Please God, not people. Our purpose is to please God not people. Let me, let me interject this right here. Wives, this does not mean when you go home tonight and your husband asks you to cook him something, you don't look at him and say, my job ain't to please you, it's to please God. That's not what I'm saying here. Don't take that out of context. We're called to please God, not people. Why? Because He alone examines the motives of our heart. Always listen. Somebody's got something negative to say, hey, listen to them. Listen to their heart. Pray, discern. Sometimes you need to respond to provide the information that can help diffuse it. Sometimes you need to release it. Why? Because at the end of the day, you're living for an audience of one. Have you ever made one decision and it caused a ripple effect in your life of criticism? You made one decision you really felt strongly that God called you to you made one decision and all of a sudden there's this ripple effect of criticism and it just keeps coming in waves and it just hits you and hits you and hits you I made a decision some time ago I made one decision and all kinds of waves of criticism just kept coming and coming and coming so much so to where my kids were coming home and they were like aren't you going to say anything Aren't you? What are you going to do? And I said, listen, I said, this is a moment where you have to release the criticism. Because nothing you say or nothing you do is going to make this, make this any better. So just keep focused on what God's called you to do and keep moving. And I feel like just, you know, some of you need to hear that. 
Some of you need to hear that. There's, there's a friend, there's a co-worker, there's, there's a family member that has criticized you. You've made one decision that you made in, in good judgment. You felt like God's called me to do this. You made that decision and there has been wave after wave after wave of criticism that has come against you. Hear me today. Release it. Release it. Move forward. The last thing you want to do is hold on to that criticism and you pull up in the driveway and you're kicking the cat, you're slapping the dog, you're coming in, you're mad with everybody, you're blowing up on your kids all the time. Why? Because you have allowed one person's criticism to change the whole trajectory of your life. Why? You're living for an audience of what? One. You know, listen, guys, we talked about this. We just got out of the series with the rope. There is eternity that awaits for us. All we have is 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Remember the tape at the end of the rope? When we're done with our tape, we stand before God. You don't stand before God with the crowd. You're not going to stand before God with all of the critics in your life. You're not going to have your family with you. You're not going to have me with you. You're not going to have the church family with you. We stand before God alone because we live our lives for an audience of one. So at the end of the day, do you have a good conscience to say, God, I've done everything I can for you. So when I stand before Him, I can hear the words, What well done, thy good and faithful servant. Stand with me all over the house. God, we thank you.